Welcome back, everyone, to another Vince August podcast. January 14th, 2015, episode number 21. And this has been a, such a technically challenging week for me with such stupid technology nonsense. Um, my phone slipped out of my hand and, and fell from just the shortest of possible distances. And God knows I've dropped this phone a couple of different times not a scratch, nothing. Um, it's the LG G2. Well, it fell out of my hand on Sunday. And I mean, I'm talking about a two foot drop. It must have hit the soft spot on this phone and just the, the screen shattered. But worse than that is the touch part of the screen didn't work. And as a result, I can't unlock the phone and if you can't unlock the phone, you can't get anything off the phone. So I called Verizon because I can't answer the phone. I can't text. I can't get text messages. You can't get anything. Um, call up Verizon. They basically send you a new phone. Then they try to hook it up to try to get the None of the information transfers over. None of it. And I have such important stuff on the phone. And I was like, oh, you've got to be kidding me right now. I can't get anything off. So anyway, I got to get the screen fixed on this phone in order to get the information off the old phone. And in the end, basically, the phone is going to be as good as new. And then Verizon says, well, you have to send us back the phone. I'm like, well, I'm not sending you back the phone that I fixed. Now the phone is brand new. So I've I've been fighting with Verizon all week, and it's just been a nightmare. And the stu- You know what? It's funny. We're so technologically advanced, yet dependent upon it, that the second it fails, we're, like, completely helpless. And it was it's such a stupid thing. And to me, the fact that once the screen, the touch feature on the screen on all these touch phones goes dead, the fact that you they didn't develop a means or no one thought to troubleshoot this thing and say, hey, we need to somehow have a backdoor access to the phone when the screen goes dead, that if you plug it into something that has a keyboard, you can access it that way. The fact that no one thought that far ahead is seems really dumb to me. Um, you know, normally these tech people are so savvy and think to solve every problem. And, and that one seems to be one that they never thought of. And it's happened enough times based on the conversations I've had with people that you would think someone by now would jump on it. But anyway, that's my, um, that's my issue of the week in terms of dealing with technology. Let's go to the bigger or biggest issue right now in the media around the world this is a global issue and hopefully everyone is in tune with it but right now france is basically schooling the world especially the united states on how to deal with terrorism and how to combat terrorism and even more important for me because you know how big of an issue this is with me how to deal with free speech and the protection of free speech. We are getting absolutely schooled by the French. If you've lived under a rock and don't know what happened, there was a terrorist attack in Paris against a satirical magazine company, Charlie Hebdo. And Charlie Hebdo had 12 people die, and part of the reason this terrorist attack took place was because the writers did something satirical about the Prophet Muhammad. Um, 
And I said in my last podcast how you have to be careful with certain comedic, comedic topics because you're going to offend some people. You don't know what the backlash is going to be. Now, South Park does satirical stuff with Jesus Christ on a constant basis. We've seen all kinds of cartoons with the prophet Moses, and there isn't the backlash. And the reason you don't see the backlash, and I, I again, I've touched upon this already, is because you know, when you look at the religions of the world right now, the religion that is using force to try to influence the world as to their beliefs is this faction. And I'm, please listen to the words faction of the Muslim religion. Um, the, the thing is, because the religion is so large in numbers, a two percent faction is 2 million people. That's a lot of people. So the faction percentage is small, but in terms of volumes and people, it's large. So, you know, th- this right now is is what we're dealing with on a worldwide basis. Hey, listen, it was... Uh, every religion has had their moment of, you know, using force, and we've gone over it. Right now, it's the Muslim faith. Well, uh, Charlie Hebdo did, which is basically, if you're not familiar with what Charlie Hebdo is in France, it's our version of, I guess what you would say, the Onion newspaper and the Onion website um, that makes light of world events, um, pokes fun at and makes up fake news stories, not really in line with the Daily Show, um, more, you know, again, it's more satirical in that it's, it's fake news. I don't like to consider The Daily Show fake news. I think The Daily Show is more a critique of the coverage that we have in this country of news. So, Charlie Hebdo, you have the background. There is a terrorist attack. What do they do? How do they respond? Well, on Sunday, January 11th, the first response is by France inviting dignitaries and leaders from around the world to march in solidarity to show we will not bow down to terrorism or your terrorist attacks. Look at us, the world. We come before you united to show you we are not afraid of you. This was such an incredible, powerful statement Especially when you consider France has a very large Muslim contingency within the country. When you consider the Muslim presence in Europe, how large it is for France and world leaders to meet in Paris after basically a week of hostage situations, murders, wasting no time meeting in France, marching arm in arm, showing the world we are not afraid of you and we are standing together against what you represent was such an unbelievable statement and I can't applaud France and those world leaders enough. Kudos to you. Really unbelievable. Really incredible. It was Something that when you watch the news, you know, you're so used to hearing bad things. You're so used to hearing the negative side. Then you see this. You see the world coming together through its leaders 
to show that we will join to fight your tyranny. You will not beat us, terrorism. It's the strongest show of force without firing a shot, bombing a nation, imposing sanctions, taking any retaliatory measure other than embracing other world leaders arm in arm and saying, look, we stand united against your nonsense. Such an incredibly powerful statement. And as incredible of a statement that was, we have the equal, if not more so, incredible embarrassment for the United States to not have a high-ranking official present for that world moment, that moment that the entire world is watching. Everyone stands united, and who is there for us but our ambassador to France? And this is not a slight on on our ambassador to France. You know what? He does his job. He performs his function. He showed up. He did what he had to do. But to know that Eric Holder, the United States Attorney General appointed by President Barack Obama, was in France and did not attend, apparently had something so pressing to do that he had to get out of France that quickly and could not attend this march is disgraceful it's inexcusable you cannot justify this in any way shape or form it's unbelievably disgusting with all of our fights against terrorism that have been done in force attacking iraq attacking Afghanistan, sending troops, setting sanctions, to consider that we are so ready to go to war, flex our muscle, that when the opportunity arises to show strength through another means, that we fail to send a representative is absolutely disgraceful and disgusting it really is and to me i don't know how the united states this administration which i have not been that critical of how we can kind of push this aside how we can somehow make an excuse about this is Really, really a poor, poor showing for a country that stands for exactly what this March for Solidarity was about. Now, when I say stands for it, I should say supposedly stands for it because we didn't stand for anything. It is an embarrassment. It is disgusting and... I have to tell you, I don't know how this administration 
really, and the people that support this administration can let this one slide. If you are a Democrat who is constantly posting on Facebook and Twitter all of the things that Republicans do bad, all of the things that this senator, this governor, this congresswoman, this congressman do, and look, look at the Republicans, how they're this, how they're that. If you post all of those things and somehow fail, fail to comment on our lack of showing in that March for Solidarity, once again, you are one of the problems with this country, with this partisanship, with this bipartisanship, with this everything the Democrats do is fine, everything the Republicans do is wrong. And listen, this is not about me being Republican because you know I'm not. I'm down the middle. I'm not registered to either party. When it's your turn in the barrel, I'm going to throw you in that barrel. And right now, if you're a Democrat and did not speak out against this failure, against this lack of showing, I have to discredit any post, any comment you make with regards to our leadership, our government, and what Republicans are doing and what, I'm sorry, if you are not willing to show the failings on your side, then to me, you are not a voice of reason. You're not. It's it's that simple. Um, with regards to the next step that took place in France, the magazine, Charlie Hebdo, what do they do? Their next publication has on the cover a drawing of the Prophet Muhammad with a writing over it saying, we forgive you. What an unbelievable statement. What an incredible statement to make. Basically saying, you didn't like that we did something satirical? Here's the picture of the Prophet Muhammad right on the cover of the magazine. Here we are again, right back in your face. To think that Charlie Hebdo would do that. And here in the United States, Sony Pictures ran and cowered into a corner when their computers were hacked and they faced threats. Threats! Not even an act of violence. Threats! Potentially empty threats. That they refused to release this movie. They they cowered in a corner and cried. Like they were in the corner of a shower crying as water ran down them. Oh my God. We have threats or we were hacked. What do we do? Don't show the movie. But the Stop. We can't release this movie. Oh my God. Are you being schooled, Sony, or what? This magazine in France is taking you to school the way the French government has taken us to school with regards to dealing with terrorism and dealing with free speech. We should be absolutely embarrassed as a country. And, you know, we, we've 
there's been so many jokes over the last 80 years about how we are always supporting the French, how we had to save France in World War II. And, you know, the old joke, I have a French uh, rifle, uh, never been fired, been dropped twice, you know, because all they do is surrender. And, and, and all of the jokes about how, you know, the, the beaches in Normandy are littered with the blood of Americans who fought for the liberation of France. Well, rest assured, United States, one thing is for certain. The blood that those Americans shed on the beaches of France, you now know was not wasted blood because the French obviously learned from that lesson and they have taken our supposed free speech, our supposed solidarity against injustice and showed us how it works. Shame on you, United States government. Shame on you, Sony. Shame on you, President Obama, for not making sure that a high-ranking official got on a plane and got... And listen, I don't want to hear about security detail. Do not tell me about security detail. When the world leaders are marching down a street in Paris where there was a terrorist attack less than a week earlier where terrorists are still at large, where they are still searching out terrorists. These world leaders met, marched down the streets of France without as much a worry about where their security detail was. But we are so concerned about our security. For who? Eric Holder? Really? You got the president of Germany walking down the street. You got the president of France. You got all the presidents of all these countries walking down the street. But we're worried about our security and making sure that whoever we send would be secured and safe. They would have had to kill the leaders of all the nations on that one moment and seize that one moment. And none of those people, none of those nations, none of those security details seem to have nearly the concern that apparently we did in making sure the safety of one individual when the entire world was present. Except, notably, the quote-unquote world power that is the United States. Unbelievably, I, I am embarrassed, embarrassed by our showing or lack thereof, in France for the last week. World, we have failed you. The United States has failed you miserably. And if your head is in the sand and you're listening to this podcast and you don't know what's going on in France, I hate to say it, you're part of the problem too. Wake up. You know, I I mean... From my research, Gerard Arode is our ambassador to France. He's all we had. Who's there anyway? That that's what we we had to show for it. And and you know, Gerard, this is not a slight on you. Good good for you for showing up, and and not being afraid. Um, really, un, it's it's mind numbing to see how we dropped the ball on this one. And I was talking to a friend of mine who said. Well, you know what? We we can make up for it. He's, he's a staunch Democrat. Well, we'll make up for it. No. The moment is gone. 
that moment is gone. It's kind of like the the feed the world moment when, you know, they did that song back in the 80s to raise money for Africa. And, you know, then Michael Jackson ran together and put together the We Are the World. For me, I thought it was great what Michael Jackson did. But you know what? It, it was a copycat moment of an un, of an incredible, you know, bringing together of all of these talents. And then we tried to copy it. We weren't there for that first moment. So we tried to recreate it. And to me, you can never recreate that moment. Think about moments in your personal life that you've missed and trying to recreate that moment. It's never the same. And I say to my Democrat friends out there, you got to come up to the plate on this one and you have to admit this administration blew it big time. Big swing and a miss on this one. You have to admit it. If you fail to acknowledge this miss, I can't have a conversation. We can't have a normal discourse together because then everything, that, no matter what the Democrats do, they're never wrong. Listen, I'll tell you right now, Christie with his going to Dallas to the Cowboys game, if he's using New Jersey taxpayer money to fly down there, which he didn't, it was a gift from Jerry Jones, I'd be the first to chastise him. Now, I, there was a report showing how much Christie has spent in all his details in moving around the, uh, the state of New Jersey and the country for his protection and state troopers and how it's grown and how much money he's spending. Listen, if that governor is using New Jersey taxpayer money to help him become president of the United States, you know what? Someone needs to take, there needs to be an ethics investigation immediately. If Jerry Jones influenced him to go to the Port Authority through these gifts and charitable donations or whatever it was to get their contract into the Freedom Tower, there needs to be an ethics investigation. Christie needs to be called to the mat. See the way that works? When a Republican does something wrong, you call the Republican to the mat. When a Democrat does something wrong, you call a Democrat to the mat. If you're not willing to call your own side to the mat, you are the type of person that refuses to apologize for your own mistakes in life. You're the person, to, the person who refuses to acknowledge your wrongdoings. You are part of the problem, not only in this world, but probably in a big part of your own personal life with your family and friends. There's a word for you. A-hole. Uh, real, really, I, I got to tell you, this one struck a chord with me, as you can tell. I ranted about it for 23 minutes, so really bothersome. Um, this is also a, a, a time in our country where we have what's uh, award season. The Golden Globes was this past Sunday. Now we start getting into the Screen Actors Guild Awards. Uh, we get into the Oscars. Um this is where we, you know, Hollywood really comes together and we start to show what um, our supposed film industry is about. There's a couple of things about it. Um, I have to tell you, being a host at these award shows must be the absolute toughest job in the entertainment industry. It's first of all, this is like a. a this is like a comedian doing a corporate event. 
And as a comic, we get hired to do these corporate events and we basically do it for the paycheck. It's almost an impossible gig to do what you do on stage in a normal comedy club or in a, in a theater where you can kill. People are there. They're dressed to the nines. It's black tie affair. And it's an award show where you have a room filled of people nominated that want to win. And George Clooney did a great speech on getting a Lifetime Achievement Award. And basically, he acknowledged, you want to win. And when you don't win, I don't like the way he termed it, you know, you're considered a loser. Because you're not a loser, but you're going home empty-handed when you went there with such hope of having your name forever in the annals of history for the Golden Globes, the Oscars, um, you know, Screen Actors Guild Awards. There's so many, you know, things that you live for in life in your industry. And as an athlete, maybe it's getting to the Hall of Fame, winning a championship. As an entertainer, there's not a person out there that doesn't dream of being in the room. One thing is winning, but just to get in that room is is something that if you don't have that dream and you've never dreamt it, then you probably shouldn't be in this industry. Now, that may be a strong word because some people say, you know what, screw you, Vin. I just want to be a working actor. I just want to be a working entertainer. But winning awards is not part of what will justify my life. And maybe in your small ego and maybe part of your life is winning awards. And I say to you, maybe you're right. Yes, I, I want to be recognized as one of the best in my industry. And maybe that is not the right way to be recognized as one of the best. Maybe there is some politics behind it. Maybe there is some something else going on behind it. Um, I don't know because I'm, I'm not that big of a part of the industry to understand it. But between being a host, getting up there and trying to make that room full of people laugh... I got to say, Amy Poehler, Tina Fey, what an incredibly tough job. Anyone who's tried to do it for the Oscars and Billy Crystal, basically, you know, he could run a seminar on how to host award shows because probably done it as well as anybody, if not better than anybody. Johnny Carson used to do it back in the 80s, and, and it's such an incredibly tough job. The other tough thing is going up on that stage and giving a speech after you've won and, and here you are, you're, you're in this incredible moment. Um, this, this moment that is basically justifying your life, your life decisions, your choices, your career, your dream. And you have to somehow put it into words. And some people say, well, just prepare a speech. Yeah. But I'm um, just imagine having that moment in life. And then when it hits you, there's no way you can anticipate that emotion. It, think of it in the opposite end of the spectrum. You know, my father was ill for several weeks before he passed away. And you, you brace yourself, you brace yourself, you brace yourself. Then when he's gone, nothing prepares you. You can try to be prepared. You can brace yourself all you want. Nothing prepares you for that moment. And the same works the other way. You can be nominated. You can win the Golden Globe. You can win the SAG Award. You can win all the awards leading up to the Oscar. And then when you finally get that trophy in your hand... You're just so overwhelmed. And, you know, the fact that some of these people, their speeches are criticized and, you know, don't say this and don't say that. You know what? I give just about everybody a pass on that speech. And 
you know, good for you. Say whatever you have to say. I thought George Clooney's speech was great at the Golden Globes. Uh, you know, when people say, oh, don't get political. You know what? That's their moment. Let them have their moment. I don't have a problem with, with anything that they say. So, um, you know, again, it's our award season. I love the awards. I love the Oscars. That, to me, is, I'll tell you right now, Here, as growing up a sports fan, uh, a rabid sports fan, I will tell you I have probably missed more Super Bowls than I have Academy Awards in terms of watching. Um, if there's two teams in the Super Bowl that I don't care about, I'll miss the game. And there's been Super Bowls I haven't watched. I've never missed the Academy Awards. Uh, I love watching it. Uh, I am a fan of my business, and I really enjoy the pageantry. I love old Hollywood I, when I go to Hollywood, I love staring at the sign. I think it's just an that's an incredible American moment for us in terms of showing, you know, our our cinema, our theater, which is the one thing that should stand out in the world right now compared to other countries, even though we're other countries are starting to catch up to us in that area as well. Surprise, surprise. Um, oftentimes, the movies that win are not popular in movie theaters um, but what's being recognized is not how we blow things up on screen how we can do 3d things not the technological advancements but the actual art the writing the acting um, I, I saw Birdman it was amazing uh, Michael Keaton was brilliant in it I'm catching up on the other movies I have to vote on the SAG awards by the 23rd uh, but it's something I, I look forward to and when you watch these award shows just keep that in mind um, you know, how difficult of a room that is to play to as a host, the speech, the, the nervousness in the room, the tension in the room. Again, I've done a corporate events where I've emceed corporate events and it's the corporate event version of the Oscars and it's a tough room to play to. So just keep that in mind when you watch. Uh, I know it's a popular thing we do in our country and I just wanted to give some insight, uh, a bunch of quick hits, um, Right now, gas prices are at pretty much the lowest we've seen in several, several years, probably going back to the Bush administration. Um, we're seeing gas prices under $2 a gallon. Americans, wake up. Part of what I do in this podcast is try to bring awareness to you, and I'm bringing awareness to you right now. Republican um, from Tennessee, Bob Corker, is suggesting a 12 cent per gallon tax now that the prices have dropped to impose a tax 12 cents a gallon on anyone buying gas to help make up for the deficit in the country. I want you to think about this. What they're suggesting is listen, gas prices were super high and you know, we all struggled. Now that gas prices are low, and you can catch up a little bit on your bills. We're going to tax you on that gas to help us catch up on our bills. So let me get this straight, Bob, Republican from Tennessee. When I was struggling at the pump, you did nothing to lift a finger to help me. You guys were still spending money left and right. Now that I can save some money, now that I can kind of recoup some of my losses, now that I can lick my wounds... And all of the expense wounds I've had from the wars we've been fighting across the world, from 
the lack of drilling and every other misuse of energy in this country, now that I can kind of recoup some of that, save money at the pump to maybe cover some of my other bills, maybe put some money in savings that I was not able to put in savings because I was paying double these prices at the pump for a long period of time. Now you want me to help you fix your deficit? So basically, we never get out of our deficit. So basically, as citizens, we get abused and we never get to recover because we have to constantly help you and the government recover. Let me tell you, talk about taxation without representation. This is absolutely disgusting that it was even suggested so basically the second prices drop let's tax the crap out of our citizens to now make up for our expenses so really as citizens we never get to catch up hey bob bob corker from tennessee republican that i'm throwing under the bus here's a way we can recoup some of our deficit how about you all take a pay cut How about everybody in Congress take a pay cut saying, you know what? We failed you. We failed you at the gas pump. We failed you with health insurance. We're failing you with education. We're failing you with not having a world presence in France this week. We're failing you left and right. You know what? We're going to take a pay cut to try to make up for the deficit. So this way, you know what? At least we're showing our part. How about that, Bob? People, you got to wake up. You got to write your congressmen. You got to write your senators and tell them, do not even consider a tax at the gas pump during this period of low prices, assuming it would even stay on these low prices. Because then what do you say? Well, here's what we're going to do. 12 cents a gallon tax until it reaches... Eh, $3.50 again. How about that? No. How about screw you? How about, you know what? This is our time to catch up. You know what your time to catch up is? Cut some of the nonsense spending, such as your pay for jobs you're doing poorly. So please keep an eye out for that one. That's absolutely incredible. Um, here, Here's the other thing. NYPD, I saw this in the in the news they were writing fewer tickets they called it a job slowdown they were writing fewer tickets during this whole protest period basically to show mayor de blasio that you know what you want to come down hard on us watch what happens when we protest watch what happens when we stop doing our job you want to criticize our job we're going to stop doing our job and slowly but surely the ticket writing is creeped up and it's starting to go back to where it was And the concern around this job slowdown was the safety of people in New York and whether or not this job slowdown created a safety risk. Well, the only murders I've seen or attempted murders I've seen in the news since this job slowdown and since all of this happened was on New York City police officers. I think... The concern about writing fewer tickets is not so much about public safety as it is, once again, job safety. And the job safety that we're talking about, once again, the mayor. 
the commissioner and people who hold public office that those tickets that aren't being written generate revenue for the city of New York to keep those people employed. Remember what a police officer's job is, protect and serve. I don't know that anyone over the last couple weeks has felt less safe than a New York City police officer in light of all the circumstances. So in terms of whose safety is at risk, it seems to be the NYPD. Not so much the citizens because they're, what, not writing summonses, not handing out tickets. I think the job safety that these people in office are concerned with or the safety they're concerned with is their job safety. It's generating the income to justify their salaries and pay their salaries and not create a deficit in the city of New York so that when they're up for re-election, they have to go over to budget and say how they have this budget deficit. What are they going to do then? Oh, I don't know. Maybe they can tax gas, tax cigarettes, tax alcohol, tax soft drink, tax water, tax food to make up for the deficit. So once again, it falls upon us. So when you start telling me about, you know what, we need the cops to write more tickets, there's only one reason you want cops to write more tickets, and that's to generate revenue. I'm not stupid. I was a municipal court judge. I know what those tickets do. They generate revenue. I had to do an annual budget every year. And one of the concerns with regards to a municipal court or any court is generating revenue. Please, give me a break, New York City leaders. Anya, we're concerned with safety. What a bunch of nonsense. Um, well, other stuff I saw this week, some quick hits. Um, Penn State is trying to get back Joe Paterno's wins that were taken away from him because of the sex scandal uh, that happened with Jerry uh, Sandusky, uh, Sandusky, whatever his name is. First of all, let me talk... Let's address this whole thing about taking away wins and rewriting history. I hate to break it to everyone, but those games were played. And Penn State won those games. If there was something immoral that happened at the school while that was going on, something unjust, I hate to tell you this, those games were still played and history is what history is. Penn State won those games. To say, you know what, we're not going to recognize those victories. We're going to take them away and have this incredibly semantic argument about, you know what, no, they need to be recognized again. He needs to have those wins back. This is such a complete waste of time. Stop trying to rewrite what we all witnessed. It happened. Barry Bonds hit home runs. Barry Bonds broke Babe Ruth's record. Period. He broke McGuire's record. He broke Gehrig's record. He broke every record. We saw it. Nobody wanted to pitch to him. Hitting the ball into San Francisco Bay. Okay? It happened. Don't tell me, well, we saw that he did steroids. It doesn't count. We're not going to count that. Nonsense. We saw it happen. It happened. That's like saying to a girl, you know what? You had sex at your prom. 
Um, looking back on it, wasn't the greatest decision. You were maybe underage and you were drinking at the time. You know what? We're going to give you a do-over. You're a virgin again. And that goes for a guy too. You know what? You, you had a, a moment there with a girl that, you know, you just, it wasn't the one for you. And now you've met the love of your life. And you know what? We're going to undo that. You're a virgin again. Here's my other favorite one that the church does. You got married. You've only been married for six months. You found out things about the other person. You had no idea. They never disclosed to you. You know what? We're giving you an annulment. God doesn't see that marriage anymore as something that existed. What a bunch of crap. That is such a bunch of nonsense. That is such a a human way of justifying past actions or trying to correct the past. You know what? Here's a good idea. Let's all move forward. Let's live in the current moment and move forward. Let's prosecute those that were guilty for doing what they did on a criminal level with regards to the fact that they had wins and losses in sports. Oh, my God. We have to rewrite the record books because, you know what, we can't reflect that a person who is in charge of, oh, stop it. Stop it. With your annulments. Everything, we have to annul everything. We annul wins. We try to erase things from our past. It happened. Live with it. You know what? Part of growth is living with your mistakes. You know what? Having Joe Paterno, if everything that was said was true, part of our growth is hoping that someone comes along and wins more games than him so that the new person we can look at and say, here. Here's a better example. You know what? The record was finally broken. And it was broken by someone that we all like. Because God forbid it's broken by someone we don't like. God forbid Barry Bonds is the home run king. Because we don't like him. Oh, too bad. Knock it off. We're such a bunch of babies in this country. We really are. We're a bunch of babies. We got to fix that. That's not right. Jill Paterno. Oh, stop. You know what? I didn't know things about that person. I didn't know things about him. I didn't know things about her. I want to annul that marriage. God, do over. I didn't mean those vows. Do over. I would have never promised before you to marry this person. Oh, there's another man-made thing, marriage. We come up with these rules, and then all of a sudden, in the eyes of God, we can come up with another rule that God, we can actually impose on God to not remember what we just swore before God. Imagine that. This is how stupid some of the reactions we have. Here's what an annulment is. You get married before God, and then you undo it and say, here, God doesn't know it anymore. Imagine this. Imagine this. If you've actually gone for an annulment to try to erase something you did before God, you're an idiot. In my opinion, you're an idiot. It happened. Live with it. You made a bad decision. You married the wrong person. Grow from it. Oh, my God. We're such a bunch of babies here. Ugh. Here's another thing I saw in the news. Um, Tiger Woods was divorced from that that Swedish woman. They are still trying to sell uh, one of their pieces of property. It's a 62-acre island off the coast of Sweden. How someone can buy a 62-acre island anywhere in the world is absolutely mind-numbing. And the sales price for this island is $7.2 million, which... When I thought 62-acre island for $7.2 million, 
don't know about you. I thought that's a steal. I get to own an island for $7 million. There are some homes in Beverly Hills that cost five to six times that amount. And all you're getting is a small track of land that you have to build these giant walls and hedges around so no one can see and put cameras and security stuff. An island? You can own an island. Now, granted, you have to go all the way to Sweden to live on this island. But imagine buying an island. Can you imagine the kind of money that Tiger Woods and his girlfriend are fighting over, his ex-wife are fighting over? That they're Who gets the island? We have to sell the island. Next time you're in divorce court and you're arguing over who gets the TV or the painting or whatever, just think Tiger Woods is fighting for an island. That's mind-numbing. Uh, the other thing I saw in the news is they listed the world's most dangerous airlines. And they were uh, the, the worst four were Nepal, Scat Airline, Tara Air, and Cam Air, K-A-M Air. Look up this story, if for no other reason, just to see what they are actually calling airlines. Let me tell you something. I think the first plane that the Wright brothers flew looked to be more safe than these planes. I mean, I I make jokes on stage about, you know, planes getting older and you get on a plane and, you know, I I was on a plane so old it didn't have a movie. It had a puppet show. Um, You've got to see what some countries refer to as an airline look up this story look up scat s-c-a-t airline tara air t-a-r-a air cam air k-a-m air or this nepal airline n-e-p-a-l and let me tell you i would leave those countries on foot i would take a donkey in and out of those countries before i would get on what they're calling an airplane um pretty Pretty scary stuff in terms of uh, what can be deemed an airplane. I think there should be a rule as to what can and can't be called an airplane. And those countries shouldn't be allowed to call those things airplanes. Um, Guys, another podcast in the book, episode 21. Um, All kinds of good stuff in here that hopefully will raise your awareness to what's going on in the world in France with regards to terrorism. Um, here at home with regards to gas prices and being taxed. You got to have awareness because, you know what, when you see the prices go up at the gas tank, a lot of you aren't going to know it's because our government is trying to tax us to make up for their spending. You got to have more awareness of what's going on around the world than just what's happening in your, within your own four walls of your house. You really do. That's what I'm trying to do here. Please message me with thoughts, comments, Um, suggestions for other topics. One of the things that I am going to do for 2015 or I'm going to try to do uh, that was suggested to me is bring on some guests. I want to work on some guests. I'm going to reach out to some celebrity friends. I'm going to reach out to some people maybe in politics that would love to be interviewed. Um, In fact, you know what? Today I'm going to go to Best Buy. I'm going to buy my second microphone so this way I can sit down and have some interviews. How about that? That's my promise to you for 2015. Everybody, thank you for listening. Spread the word. Vince August podcast, episode 21 in the books.